everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where for the second week in a row, we are the crazy commuter on the train. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Um, Avram, I can't hear myself, which, oh, hey. All right, now I know what you guys feel like when you hear me. Okay, but now I'm really loud, and that's a scary place to be when you are me. Coming to you from the um, otherwise beautiful home of the Nachum Siegel Network. But if you are looking outside, you are noting that it is not nearly as beautiful as it could be because it is raining and it is actually spitting, is probably what my father would say at this present moment. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch. I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news. And a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine, and I could not mean that more this morning, Avram. I could not mean that more this morning. I'm trying out this new theme song, by the way. It's Dave Matthews' Ants Marching. you got to tell me what you think. I'm actually into it because I think that, Avram, a comment that you made last week that it sounds very morning-y, uh, I'm into it. Uh, I'm into it. What do you think? I didn't give you official hey. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Thank God. Everything is Baruch right. Hashem. Um, so you're into it, right? Yeah, I think it's nice. You think it's nice? I think it's well. It's a morning show. It's nice. It's nice. All right. You know what? That's uh, go back to your go back to your tea and your in your rye bread. It's totally fine. If you're a new listener to the show, thanks for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a new listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Carol Suffian does. Friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. Also, please follow me on Twitter. Miriam L. Wallach, all one word, and follow all of us on Twitter, Nachum Siegel Net. Let's take care of some business. Today's national holidays. Of rum last week, we had nothing. Today, it seems like we've got everything. It's International Day for Natural Disaster Reduction. I'm not exactly sure how you reduce natural disasters because aren't they natural disasters, but today is the day where we try and reduce them. I, I Again, I don't really get it. It's National Handbag Day, so I'm not participating in that because I don't carry a handbag. But for all the men who are now carrying man purses, dude, you're in. You're not in? You don't, Okay, he doesn't do it. I, I, don't, I don't blame you. It's Walk to School Day, which I guess you could do if it wasn't a monsoon. It's International Newspaper Carrier Day. I don't know why that wouldn't be around the end of the year when people give tips, but that's all right. Nobody asked me. It's Naval Academy Day. It is World Mental Health Day. Yeah, I would argue that every day should be World Mental Health Day. And it's World Porridge Day. You ever had porridge? Why does that make you smile? Seriously, out of everything I just mentioned, why is that? Because for a long time, all oh I was eating God. for breakfast and stuff was cream of wheat, which is You're porridge, kidding right? Me. I really, but I'll tell you, I don't do what other people do, where they put cinnamon and sugar, or whatever. When I eat it, I put Frank's hot sauce on it. I need it savory, not sweet. That's not savory. That's that's okay. You it's know good. what? Not a lot, just a little for a tang. You know? We have all right. That's all right. Listen, I'm going to say the following: At the Wallach household, we have a very strict rule: don't yuck somebody's yum. So if that makes you happy, then I'm happy for you, but I can't say that I'm going to be asking you for a taste. You can keep that all to yourself. And finally, it is World Egg Day. Something, uh, yeah, see, that I'm happy about also. You know what that means, folks. Let's open the fortune. Why are you smiling like that? What do you want to say while I open the fortune? Because I have cookie? a new food now where I do, I eat, um, I eat uh, what, what are those called, steel-cut oats? By the way. With an egg dropped on it. Oh, See, that I hear. With an egg, an egg on anything, you know, people are putting fried eggs on hamburgers and stuff. That's a huge, huge um, delicacy, so to speak, especially when you get a fun kind of egg. By the way, thanks again to Judy Hersfeld, who is my um, my one and only fortune cookie uh, provider. Oh, today, 
today's fortune, Judy, is your deeds today will be your memories tomorrow. Okay. That's because tomorrow will, that today will be yesterday. But either way, I'm not exactly sure where I go with that. Um, we have our first caller on the line, by the way. Is Dave there? All right, guys. We have so much to talk about, but I, I really, I want to get to Dave Rosner. We haven't spoken to Dave in a while. Dave is a Marine, an actor, a comedian, an Orthodox Jew, and now he has another project. If you're not friends with Dave Rosner on Facebook, you really should, because he has this unbelievable project that the first time I saw um, any posting about it, I looked at I looked at it and I said, only Dave would be able to pull something like this off. Good morning, Dave Rosner. Good morning. Thanks oh, for having me on. My pleasure. Now, just let everybody know where you are. Right now, I'm in uh, Los Angeles. That's where that's where I live these days. But I'm I'm moving out at the end of the month. And where are you going? Well, if the government shutdown doesn't screw things up, I'm supposed to go to a Marine Corps school, a uh, military school, to study Eastern philosophy for six weeks in order to. Uh, be able to evaluate uh, operational plans from a different perspective, which sounds really fun and cool, but uh, this waiting to find out if it's even going to happen or not is is kind of nerve-wracking. Oh, my God. That does sound very cool, but not something that anybody would ever send me to do. That's for sure, but um, something that sounds up your alley. But let's talk specifically about your new project. You have been spending a lot of time, not just in Los Angeles where you currently live, but further west. Yes, I just got back from Hawaii. I am doing a project. It's a TV film project that I'm making an episode and also entering in film festivals called Hasidic Inn, dot, 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 Hawaii. And uh, I am very close to the um, Chabad uh, people out in Hawaii on all four islands. And I'm funding it through juicer.com. That's the way that I'm... Uh, getting wonderful donations from people. It's juicer, J-E-W-C-E-R.com, and then slash project slash Hasidic in Hawaii. Um, and anyway, I, I'm all about clearing up misconceptions, and my goal is to show everyone, um, everyone in the Jewish community from unaffiliated to ultra-Orthodox to non-Jewish people, to the anti-Semites, um, even some Jews are anti-Semites. Um, <laughs> that, uh, we all, you know, we all share the same um, spiritual energy, and we all have the same mission, and that's to do good deeds and to make the world a better place. I think it is an absolutely incredible, um, incredible project. By the way, I am on Juicer right now. Again, it is J W C. Sorry, J E W C E R dot com. And you can search Hasidic in Hawaii, and you too can give to um, you can give to Dave's project because we should all be involved in dispelling misunderstandings that people have about every sect of our community and of every people. We we have to get out our own message. Definitely, and um, you know this this it's mind blowing to me how you know when I, I'm in conversations with people and I talk about. You know some, you know what what doing a good deed here on earth does in the spiritual realms, or how important it is to always put our best foot forward and 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 do the right thing, and how linked that is to to true Judaism. The people people just are are taken back, and it's it just it it is ama- It's just amazing to me. And then also when I was 
promoting doing this show, I spoke to a producer who promote who does a show on television of another subculture, and I said, "Hey, I want to do a show on um, Hasidic people." You know, uh, in Hawaii, it's a great title too, Hasidic in dot 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 Hawaii. Right. And uh, his first reaction was, "Oh, no way! I don't want to do that. Oh, they're awful. They're they're this. They're that." Aye, aye. I, I get the same reaction, unfortunately, from some family members who don't see the, any difference between if you wear a yarmulke, you're orthodox, and if you're orthodox, you're judging me and you're looking down upon me and this whole thing. And it's it's just really, you know, hopefully I, I have 20 hours of footage. The goal really is to have a show that would be Hasidic in dot, 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 and then I would go back to my home state of New Mexico and get all the, you know, places there and go all over the world. But... uh these people in Hawaii, you know, um, they they have a unique challenge. They have the same, you know, trials and tribulations that we all have trying to make ends meet. That's why, folks, I need you to donate to my site. So I can pay my rent. <laughs> my, uh, I'm hiding from my landlord, as a matter of fact. I'm moving out regardless of the Marine School, so I might be moving into my car. It's very good for, uh, I'm sure women are very excited uh, to hear that. Yeah, you know, it's a big draw, by the way, when you meet somebody yeah. at a mixer and they're like, so where do you live? And you're like, you know, in my vault. It's um, Yeah, I'm in the back of my uh, CRX. Exactly, uh, whatever works, whatever works. Mm-hmm. By the way, just as a side point, you know, there was a spread in the New York Times Magazine a couple of weeks ago about people who live in their cars. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm comforted to know that you were not featured. So that's uh, that's a good thing. But Dave, let me ask you a question. How did you start... How did you get involved with the Chabad in Hawaii in the first place? I, I didn't realize that any of your um, your stationing, I don't even know if that's the right word, but where you're being stationed. Actually, I, okay, so I was stationed in Hawaii on active duty in the Marines. Got I did for about four years out there, but I was afraid of Orthodox because I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right. and unfortunately the conservative shul, name only, um, totally pushed, totally, totally pushed, like black hats are evil, um, anyone who's more observant you is evil. So when I got to Hawaii, um, I, I knew there was an Orthodox. I couldn't pronounce Chabad. I called it probably Chabad or something, Chabad. <laughs> and I was afraid to go because I thought they wouldn't accept me. And I actually, the rabbi, I saw him driving in the car with his um, two daughters in the back. You know, they were probably five, six years old fighting. They're now both married with kids. Wow. I was only 12 when I was out there, by the way. And, <laughs> of course uh, you were. That old, by the way? No, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. His license plate said Shalom. That was his license plate. And I saw him, and I kind of honked and waved. But that was, and then they had a kosher restaurant for a while called Shaloha. And I went there once, but I never connected with them. And, but then when I came back from, I, I got in the reserves, and I'd been to Israel after, you know, and, and then I started to become, you know, into Judaism, Balchuva, the whole thing, whatever. And so then I called them before I went out there because I had already connected with Chabad, and uh, it's interesting because it was on Sukkot when I met them initially many, many years ago. And I was just out there for Sukkot again. So, wow. Um, and there's, you know, they're on four different islands out there. Tell me about they're some on of the... They're on Big Island, they're on Oahu and Honolulu, they're, they're on Maui and they're on Kauai. Wow. Those are some... I, I've been to a couple of those islands and when I was there, there was no Chabad presence. There was no Jewish presence. And my husband and I stumbled upon a box of matzah in some, you know, rinky-dink, wherever, because you can always find matzah. And mm. um, and it was like, it was literally like getting mun. Like, it, we were so excited 
that <laughs> so just to know that there is really there's a Jewish presence there now and it's very exciting. Tell me about some of the families and some of the people that you highlight or that quote unquote star in this pilot. By the way, I want you to know for those people who are following me on Twitter, I just tweeted out a link to Dave's page on Juicer. I really would appreciate Anybody who can give anything. I mean, Dave, I, I, you would agree with me. All donations are gratefully accepted. Uh, yes, 100%. They are, and I will be, you know, taking a percentage of those and, and making a donation uh, as well to the, you know, to the Chabads that gave up their time and fed me and, and put me up. Wow. While... So tell me about some of the people that are featured on the program. All right, so the main shluchim, the main emissaries out there are Pearl and Itchel uh, Krasiansky, which I can't say that name <laughs> too well. They're... Um, Itchel is a 10th generation Bill Shem Tov. His youngest son, um, we call him YDB, Yisrael Dov Bear, had a bar mitzvah last Shabbat. Wow, Mazal Tov. And just for fun, um, between Mincha Marev, uh, when we were singing and, and learning, people would throw out a name of a, you know, the chapter of Tanya, the Hasidic philosophy that Chabad is very, very uh, into and spreading through the world. And the young man, the bar mitzvah boy, would recite the entire Tanya um, by memory, wow. the entire chapter. He did like three right there. I was like, okay, I guess maybe I should learn a little harder now if this kid can do that. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So that, it's Pearl and Mitchell are um, the main ones who are out there. They're kind of head of Hawaii. And then they have um, their... Oldest daughter works for them, and then their next daughter, Rifki, is married to Avramo Hazano. I hope I said it last name right. And they're on Kona, on the Big Island. Unbelievable. And I spent a week with them. They were, you know, it was phenomenal. I spent the first days on Oahu and Honolulu, then in Kona, um, the last days. And actually, I, I drove them to the airport and stayed in their house for a couple of days and interviewed some people um, from their community. Um, in between the day on Holomoid, I was in Maui with Shalom Shah Schusterman and his wife, Danit, and their family. And two of her sisters were there, and her father was there, and it was incredible. It really is a family business, right? I mean, it's not, you don't have one, per, one lone person there. It really is a family business. It was great. You know, they were in such a warm, you know, wonderful time and a good time when everyone's visiting. And then also I went to Kauai, um, Maho Goldman and his wife, and daughter are out there. Maho had to be in New York for something, so um, he. When I interviewed the wife and daughter, we I had him Skype in, so it looked kind of funky and arty. Cool. He came in for the bar mitzvah, so I caught him in Oahu. And uh, these, you know, and I just really I met some incredibly nice people that are friends of each community. I was put up in a in Kauai on a beautiful property in the cottage of a someone's you know home who was. This guy is a retired merchant marine of 30 years wow. who uh, bought a property out there and has this. He has two donkeys on his property that they they did whatever that thing is in the Talmud. I should know this, but uh, the firstborn male donkey. They did a whole ceremony with it. Cool. Um, that's got to be a first for Hawaii as a yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, they. I, I think that the the one who stole the show was uh, Rifki's daughter. Batsheva, who is about four years old, and unprompted, I have video of her, you know, basically after Havdalah, saying to me, um, thank you for spending the yuntuf with us, David Rosner. I hope you had a good time. We enjoyed mm, having you. Nice. That's Four-year-old great. little girl, unprompted. I mean, just an angel. There's no way 
I don't see how her parents can say no to her for anything. I mean, it's just... I, I went shopping with her one day, and I almost bought the whole store for her. You yeah, know? sounds like a good but, uncle. Dave, we only have a minute or two left. I want to let everyone know that I've just given to Dave's project. I went on Juicer while we were on the while we were on the air and during the interview, and I did my part because besides the fact that obviously the good work of the of Chabad in Hawaii and around the world is something that we should be publicizing and we should be proud of, but also. We are our own best PR agency. Let's get out the work of all the good things that people are doing. Um, Dave, just in, in 20 seconds or less, tell me something. Is, is this project everything you had you'd hoped for and more? It is definitely more. It has become a bigger project than I thought it was going to be because of all the great footage I have, and I think it's going to be a much, have a much wider reach, you know, and I hope that it's really, really going to motivate people to do good things, think twice before they judge someone um, that they don't think they know, and also hopefully, you know, have a wide, wide audience so we can um, go ahead and have lots of uh, money to give to Sadaka. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Dave Rosner, I wish you all the best as always, and please check in with us. I can't wait to hear how this is going. And wherever the, the government puts you, you should continue to be safe and have Hatzlacha. Thank you. Amen. All the very best to you and yours. Thanks so much for having me on the show. My pleasure, Dave. Take care. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach, joined by Joel Chasnoff. You may be familiar with his name, and for good reason. You have seen him on NBC. He has opened for Jon Stewart and for Louis Black. And if you were in a tank with him, you'll also be remember. You'll also be uh, familiar with his name. He was a tank gunner in the Israeli Army, and actually, he now does stand up. He is representing Emuna of Brooklyn coming up next week in an, in an evening that will be filled with fun and laughter. And he joins us now on the air from where? I don't know because he's been traveling. Hello, Joel. Miriam, how are you? How are you? Tell me where you are. <laughs> the truth, I'm in Greenwich, Connecticut, uh, taking a break from some family errands. So that's really not exciting. I happen <laughs> to be in town right now, but I'm leaving... Later this week for Orlando for a show down there. Wow, that's great. Are you um are you also showing up at the food and wine event in Disney? Uh, no. Um, that Disney would be really cool. Isn't my gig, but that does sound, yeah, that does sound uh, <laughs> sort of fun. Yeah, I happen to know that that's going on around the same time, so I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. But uh, Orlando is fun in general. There are definite places for you to hang out. What are you doing in Orlando? A show for Jewish Federation. Wow, very nice. Very nice. So tell me, I mean, I would sit here and talk to you for about 10, 15 minutes just about Jon Stewart alone, but your inspiration as a comedian, is it all about the Army? Is it just about being Jewish? Tell me where it comes from. Well, it really developed. I mean, as a kid, I just wanted to be funny, and I liked getting laughs. I was kind of a you know, stereotypical small kid in class and sort of fun at getting laughs was a way to get a little bit of attention. But as I got older, it really developed and became, I think, more sophisticated. Uh, my idols early on were Steve Martin, Jerry Seinfeld. I've always paid a lot of attention to writing. Mm. And in terms of the Jewish angle, uh, when I began doing comedy, I sort of followed the rule that any comedian, any artist really should follow, which is write what you know, explore who you are. That's the easiest thing to write about. And as a day school kid growing up in a traditional conservative Jewish family, having been to Israel many times, the material I began writing the most and finding the most connection with was the Jewish material, and it, it only developed more and more. Yeah, it's um, 
it's amazing just how we are our own material, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's the easiest place, and people, all, you know, people will ask, "What do I write about? What do I? If I want to be a comedian, what do I talk about?" And yeah, you really are your own material. Exactly. There's a there's a lot written, by the way, and I'm sure you know this. There's a lot written on Jerry Seinfeld's writing style and how he hones and he really tracks a joke until he feels it is absolutely perfect. And the New York Times articles have have followed it in terms of from the inception to when it actually makes it to the stage and how many times he will do it in a stand-up routine just to practice it and tweak it, etc., until he feels it's ready for prime time. Do you go through that kind of an arduous process? I don't know that it's as arduous as his process, but I I definitely believe that joke is a joke is as much science as it is art. I think the easy part is the coming up with the idea, but the hard part is then really making that you know, the premise pay off in the punchline and what Seinfeld does is extremely scientific and I, I do spend a lot of time doing that, but you can only do it by performing it. You can't just sit with a pen and paper. You have to get out there, see how the audience reacts. And have there been jokes that you've um that literally have looked good on paper and then you get up there and it's a total bomb? Sure. I mean none come to mind right now, but I I know. I mean I I still go to open mics once in a while, which is where comedians, you know, really beginning comedians in their early 20s or even teens will go just because they want to do comedy. I'll still show up now and then with new jokes and, and just to get them out orally as opposed to having them stuck on a piece of paper. And there were sure, uh, there were a few I've, I was sure would be hits, but then when they didn't go over well, I immediately understood why. What about improv? Do you also do improv or that's a completely different art? I think it is very different. I have done improv. I'm from Chicago, and so I grew up in Second City and an improv town, and I studied improv there. And even now, I'll teach improv once in a while. But I think it's almost the opposite art form because stand-up is very much about planning, and improv is very much about willfully not planning. And you, you get good at improv when you are able to not plan and not think. So it can be hard for a stand-up comedian to go back and forth because they really are, they're almost opposed to uh, each other. That's very interesting. It's something um, I didn't appreciate. And also, you know, for people who, who don't really get the difference between the two, it also has to be a major um, difference in terms of having that trust of the other people you're doing improv with that they're either going to read you correctly, feed you the line correctly, whatever it is, that you are going to be able to have this synergetic moment, so to speak, as opposed to when you're doing stand-up and it's you and a mic. Well, that's, it's not just about, I mean, everything you said is correct, but it's, it's more than just will the other people be there to feed me the line. It's more of how can I support the other person. I mean, ah. improv, is, improv goes poorly when you start thinking, like a stand-up comedian, which is, mm-hmm. how are my jokes going? We, you need to, the improv point of view is, how can I make the other people on stage look good? And really taking the focus off of yourself. And at the, in the same time, I've realized that my stand-up has gotten better the more I was able to stop thinking about how my jokes are doing and more, you know, concentrate instead on, am I communicating what I need to the audience? Are they understanding me? And really making it about them. Uh, it, it shouldn't be selfish. Wow, that's a that's a very interesting comment, something I didn't appreciate. It's your goal, so to speak, to make sure that the audience is receptive and entertained, not so much that you're your own audience. Yeah, not am I good, but are they good? 
God, wow, that's that's a very very humble moment. You're... It takes a long time to get there. I mean, when you're starting out, it's all about am I doing okay? So, uh, and that's understandable. Right. No, I would I would imagine it also takes a tremendous amount of guts. I imagine that the first time you stood up in front of a mic in front of a live audience was a completely as much as I'm sure you're comfortable behind the mic and now you're seasoned, etc. It's that first moment where all of a sudden you're a deer in headlights. Early on, it was. It was horrible. <laughs> the pain, the nausea, the, it, it's not, uh, it was like an illness. Wow. Now, I mean, now that's very far from where I am. But I do, you know, I remember how frightening it was early on. How old were you when you did it the first time? I was 20, I think, sophomore year of college. Wow, and that was before or after the Army? It was before. I did the Army in Israel after college. Uh, it was sort of a lifelong Lifelong dream after all the exchange students and all the Israel trips and uh, the first Gulf War, I just, I thought, you know, I have to do this or else I will always regret it. So I went when I was 24 and I wrote a book about it, which you didn't mention, but that's fine. It's called The 188th Cry Baby Brigade, which is a comedic memoir about my service in the Israeli army. Right. No, I was going to get to that. I know I I have it on my list. Don't worry. I don't, I I know it's available in stores. Uh, mostly it's available, I think, on Amazon and online because it's already like a couple of years old, so I'm not sure which stores have it. But the point is that a lot of that book focuses on the culture clash between Americans and Israelis. You know, we grew up thinking American Jews and Israelis were all one big family, but we are, we do come from very different backgrounds. And, and that was something I experienced firsthand in the army, being in this platoon of 18-year-old Israelis as a 24-year-old college grad. Are there, um, what, has there been a lot of inspiration or any inspiration for jokes coming out of your, your, um, stint in the Army? Yeah, a lot, a lot. <laughs> Not right away, you know, a lot. At first it was all about, you know, turning the experience into a book that was grammatically correct and told a story. And now that the book's been out a little while, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, how can these be actual jokes that make it into a stand-up act? And, and um, there's some of my some of my favorite jokes now are are developed from that that story. Well, I guess it's a darn good thing that you can look back and laugh at certain moments within a tank. When I was in it, I did not always laugh. I, I really uh, there were moments when I cried and cursed the day I chose to join up. But <laughs> hindsight can color many things humorous. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are speaking with Joel Chasnoff. He will be headlining. The event next Octo- uh, sorry next Sunday evening or this Sunday evening October thirteenth six thirty cocktail hour eight o'clock buffet dinner and show he has opened for John Stewart which I still want to hear about and Lewis Black he is a comedian he has had national recognition he is a clever comedian and good old fashioned fun you know I should ask you a question Joel is there anything that's off limits for Jews to laugh about or for a Jewish comic to talk about. This is getting very serious now. Oh but... no! No no no! We no, don't no, have to get serious. I think comedy is. I think comedy is an extremely serious topic. I take it seriously. Uh, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the the Holocaust is probably still, not still, maybe always should be and always will be. But it's um, it's. I mean, that, if anything is going to be off topic, it would be that. And yet, in you know, some comedians do. Talk about it. Um, there's I the think... great, there's the great Seinfeld episode when he goes to see Schindler's List, and right. um, and that is pretty off color, not something that I can necessarily discuss on the air. 
but somehow or another, he is. I don't want to say he makes light of Schindler's List. I, I don't. I, I don't want to go that far. But what what that, what that's really about is, I think, the anxiety of a lot of Jews, particularly American Jews, diaspora Jews, have about how long do we carry the Holocaust mm. in, with the same amount of weight uh, forever? Do we? Is it still as heavy now as it was in? You know, in the 1950s, or with time, are we able to loosen our grip a little bit on this? And some would even say it's holding us back. We need to think more about the future of where Jews are going as opposed to too much focus on how we suffered in the past. And I think that very light episode of Seinfeld addressed a point that probably in a lot of Jewish people's minds. Well, what about Mel Brooks? I mean, nobody uh, nobody somehow or another got away with it <laughs> like the producers. That was um that's still genius comedy and somehow or another because it's Mel Brooks or because we were at the right point. I mean, the producers continues to be a hit and I I, I think you'd probably agree with me that if it came back on Broadway today with or without Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, whoever was headlining it, it would be the same packed show that it was the last time it went on. It, there's something about it that uh, is it is that do we give him a pass? I mean, I don't even or does he just handle it right? I'm, I honestly don't know. This is gonna sound weird. I didn't like the producers. Really? Now, I, didn't see, I didn't see it with Mel Brooks and Matthew Broderick. I, I saw it with like a second cast, and but just in general, I didn't. I I maybe it was because everyone talked it up so much right. that there was nowhere to go but down. But I, it just didn't. It didn't blow me away. Um, I, I guess I'm going against everyone else. That's okay. But uh, in terms of how we can get away with it, I mean, look, Mel Brooks is a very cute and lovable guy. I think he's, if anyone could get away with it, it would be it would be him. And also, it's, you know, it's not really the Holocaust. It's Nazis and the absurdity of, you know, that was sort of the, the Goliath, you know, a character. But, um, you know, there were no... There were no concentration camp inmates appearing in the show, as far as I remember. So that would be a different, you know, that would be a different level altogether. Right, that would probably be crossing that line that everyone is uh, very much worried about. And then, of course, you know, there's um, there's so many other things that we can discuss about lines and crossing and and potentially taboo topics. But I would be remiss as a as a Daily Show lover to to not ask you about John Stewart. I'm afraid it's just not that exciting. No. I mean, uh, he had, well, he would tour, and he still does, college uh, campuses. And at one point, I opened for him, you know, in front of, you know, a few thousand people. And th- that was, it was fun, because he had all these college students. Off, and it was often sponsored by Hillel, because, you know, Hillel was trying to, and that's how I got involved. Oh. Hillel was trying to bring, you know, Jews to campus, but also bring people who weren't Jewish to uh, a Hillel event and sort of hook them with, you know, we have this, um, you know, cultural icon who is who is Jewish and uh, it did it, it, and it worked in many ways. It brought you know a few thousand people who never stepped foot in the Hillel. I think you had to pick up your ticket at Hillel to attend. So like, if nothing else, three thousand Jews right. on these campuses would show up and like get their tickets and now see where Hillel was. You know, are, are these people lighting candles like, <laughs> on Friday night? You know, doubtful, but. Uh, you know, this is sort of where Judaism is headed right now, is, is that we need to introduce all those people who weren't introduced, whether it's through right. birthright or comedy tours or any other way to sort of, uh, you know, to sort of remind them that we're, we're here. We, we have something to offer. 
Absolutely. It's this Sunday night, October 13th, starting at 6.30 with a cocktail hour, the Kingsway Jewish Center, 2902 Kings Highway in Brooklyn. For more information to buy tickets, and because reservations are a must. Seven, They're a must. They are, make, make that clear. They're I am. Must. Be there or be square. It's 718-864-3962. And very honestly, I would be there, except that my mother's turning 70. She probably doesn't want me announcing that on the air. But nevertheless, um, so we have a family event. But 718-864-3962 or 718-253-3692. You could also go on Emuna. Dot org and you can buy tickets there. You can that's RSVP. probably the easiest way because that phone number I've already forgotten. But emuna.org <laughs> or my own website, which is just my name, joelchaznoff.com. Or as I always say, you can just Google Jewish comedian, and I'm in the middle of page nine thousand seven hundred. <laughs> it's such a shame that we, that um that there aren't that there aren't even more Jewish comedians. Have you seen? By the way, have you seen the new show called The Goldbergs? I've seen. I have not. I've seen ads for it as oh. I walk around New York. Yeah. Have you seen an episode? I have seen an episode or two, and yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, a, I'm a big, I'm, I'm, I'm a big critic. I mean, who isn't a big critic? But right. there is my daughter, my teenage daughter, was the one who said to me, "Ma, you have to, you have to watch it." And I rolled my eyes. I'm like, it looks so bad. And she said, "It's your life in the '80s." I'm like, all right. First of all, everyone who wasn't part of the '80s just thinks the '80s were funny by association. The '80s okay. weren't that funny. But nevertheless, there are so many Jewishisms in this show. And what I think is so smart is that at the end of each episode, there's a clip from um, the main character, who's also the producer, his home movies, that was the inspiration for the episode. So you see him with his dad interacting the same way the cast just did during the episode, which I think is so much fun because it's real. It just it just was real. So, so is it good for Jews? Is it? Uh, I'm never sure. I'm never sure what is good for Jews. I'm honestly never sure what is good for Jews. The episode I saw was really not about them being Jewish, and I didn't hear the word, you know, kvetch or yenta 72 times. I, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was more about the familiar relationship, the grandpa in there, the, um, you know, just the classic dad who doesn't want to put on the air conditioner. There's just so much, there was so much fun to it. And um, and I I definitely enjoyed it, but come Hanukkah time, I can imagine what's going to happen with this family, the Goldbergs, as we get closer to like different Jewish events. Like they weren't uh, they weren't doing anything for Sukkot. Let's get that out there. Okay. Right. Okay. But um, but I imagine when it comes time to Hanukkah and and obviously Rosh Hashanah again next year, it'll probably be very interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, sounds like a. Thumbs up for now, and we'll see what happens. Exactly. So joeljasnoff.com. You can also go to emuna.org. You must buy tickets in advance this Sunday at the Kingsway Jewish Center. Again, 2902 Kings Highway in Brooklyn. Starts at 6.30. Show starts at 8. Joel, again, I uh, our listeners don't know what it took to get you on the air today with so many scheduling conflicts, but I really appreciate all of your help and for being such a mensch. Oh, well, I really had a great time. This is a great interview. Thanks so much, Joel. Take care. Be in touch. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And following Joel, we do need to talk about the Amuna program that this evening, this Sunday night, is benefiting because as much as Joel is going to be entertaining, and I'm sure, I am sure that his show is going to be absolutely fantastic. It is going to be clever comedy and good old-fashioned fun, high energy, just as the flyer promises. But most importantly, it is benefiting Amuna's Charlotte Dax Mechina program. So uh, joining us on the phone 
is Fran Hermes, National President of Emuna, friend here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course a supporter of all of our network programming. Hello, Fran. Hi. How are it's you? So good. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning, Hi, Miriam. Fran. It's great to be back on the Nachum Siegel Show. Thank you very much. We appreciate Thanks. you always uh, tuning in and uh, giving us your support as always. Tell me about the Mechina program. Well, the Charlotte Docks Mechina program is located at the Amuna College of Art and Technology in Baca in Jerusalem. And it's an amazing, amazing program. It, um, it takes care of young women who um, in Israel regardless of their socioeconomic background, have been unable to complete their high school education and go on to, uh, to, who have been unable to go on to higher education. So we, because of various financial or other challenges at home, so this program gives them enrichment, gives them psychological counseling, gives them financial support, and it helps them pass their bug route, which is the matriculation mm. exam. And it really gives these young women a second chance for a promising future and economic independence. And it gives them a chance to go on to, to be productive members of society and to achieve their goals and to become really... Um, Promising, you know, to achieve their their full potential in life. That's great. There at the um, at the luncheon that I was able to to, uh, to attend with you just a couple of months ago, there were um, besides the video that made everybody cry. Is it still up on the Amuna website, by the way. Yes, yes, uh, it is. If anybody if anybody needs a good cry, and every once in a while you do, or you just want to be completely inspired by a short and incredible video that is a testimony to all the wonderful programs that Amuna provides the Jewish community and provides Israel. You can go to amuna.org and check it out. It is really quite uh, quite powerful. And it, it, what's interesting, by the way, on the uh, on the banner on the top of the website, as I'm looking for it now, it says Amuna Caring for a Nation. And I, I really think that that sums up absolutely everything that you have, that, that Amuna stands for. But um, one of the things uh, I, I noticed at the luncheon was the um, paper cutting that you gave as a gift to the guest of honor. Was that was the and you somebody mentioned? I guess it was you mentioned that the person, the artist who did that paper cut, was a graduate of the Emona programs. Was she also from Mechina? No, it happens that the artist, her name is Noah Atias, is a graduate of the college. Uh huh. Um, but she also, I don't know if I told the story, but she had. She really had a Cinderella story. She grew up with a wicked stepmother. Her father married a woman who literally treated her like Cinderella. Wow. She left her at home. Oh. She took her two real daughters out shopping and left this poor girl home to clean the house. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was really like, it was really like Cinderella. Oh. And she came to the college, um, and we took care of her, and we gave her an education, a Bachelor of Arts education, and she pulled herself up and gave herself a career, and quite an unbelievable career. You can actually see her work in Judaica Plus. Oh, really? On Central Avenue in Cedarhurst? On Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. How much did you have to do with that? Nothing. No. Really nothing. I was in there one day, and I saw her, I think it's her candle tray or her hollow board. Wow. It is in there. Wow. So, um, 
I so, was I was so excited for her when I saw that. So how did she come out from underneath this? Um, with a lot of hard work and a lot of psychological and financial support for Mamuna. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's really it's really quite a story. So Joel, and at she, la- she's, I'm sorry, Miriam, to interrupt okay. you. She was our speaker at last year's luncheon. Oh, that she must have in. been. I mean, did you hand out packets of tissues that night? <laughs> we should have because she was unbelievable. I, ca- I can't imagine. I would usually say I can only imagine. I can't imagine because I was moved to tears just by watching the video let alone yeah. hearing her story live. That would have probably been, for me, too much to take. But Joel Chasnoff is headlining the comedy night this Sunday night at the Kingsway Jewish Center, benefiting Amuna's Charlotte Dax Machina program that enables students who face extreme personal challenges during their high school years to graduate and continue to achieve their educational and professional goals. It is $75 a person. That's all it takes, $75 a person to have a night out, good comedy, good fun, and good food. Of course, you can... Be, you can participate at various levels. Donations and um, donations are always accepted. And Amuna is a wonderful, wonderful organization. You can go to amuna.org, or as Joel just told us in the previous interview, you can go to Joel Chasnoff, C H A S N O F F dot com. Um, Fran, tell me something, just as a side note. All these individual uh, fundraisers that happen in communities, so people understand. Just how important are these individual events to the Emuna overall budget? Uh, these events are tremendously important to our budget. Every, every event really helps us out tremendously. Each event contributes in each community. Number one, of course, it helps us bring our, our message out to each of the communities. Right. And, of course, each event contributes to our budget in each in its own way, of course. Mm-hmm. You know we, you know we have this this Ina event coming up in the five towns. I just, I literally, I'm looking at it right now. This month's Shabbos, October 12th at 8:30 p.m. at uh, Studio Inna, which is no, a- no, no, at Hafter. Oh, it's at Hafter. I apologize. It's brought to you by Emuna and Studio Inna. I yes. apologize. It's at the Hafter Sports Complex, otherwise known as the Hawks Nest. 33 Washington Avenue, Lawrence, New York. It starts at 8.30, and it's also to help the at-risk children of Echuzat Sara realize their full potential and strengthen the children of Am Yisrael. How did this happen? Uh, this is an amazing story. It started uh, four years ago when Ina made her bar mitzvah um, at Echuzat Sara. You can see the whole story on Studio Ina's website or on Amuna's website. She She was totally overwhelmed by what she saw wow. in a good way wow. at Sara and her first fundraiser on her own was to donate a and create an exercise room at Sara Wow. Right after she came back. And now she was in touch with us and with Shmuel Ram, the director of Sara and they have a need to redo the basketball court, which it, if anyone has been to one of our children's homes, you'll see that it's not just the basketball court. It's the center for every mm-hmm. activity that goes on. It's like the multi-purpose room, so it kind exactly. of Exactly. Right. It's a multi-purpose room, but it's outdoors. Right. So it needs to be redone, and Ina has taken it upon herself to get this fundraiser going. It's a complete exercise event for men and women. We're going to have spinning and kickboxing and yoga, oh a men's boot camp, and for the non-athletes, a sports memorabilia auction. Beautiful. All going on Saturday night at Hafter. 
sponsored by, you know, you need to read what she wrote about. It's all a memory of her mother. Wow. So there is so much going on for Amuna just in the next week. So we have Saturday night in the five towns. You have Sunday night in Brooklyn. I see that Wednesday, October 16th, Pupa Dweck is doing a cooking demonstration in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And if you don't want to miss that, she's the author of Aromas of Aleppo. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal cook. And a, I just, and then the weekend after, there's a Shabbat Kala tea, which is taking place in Teaneck. In Teaneck. It's I'll one thing. Oh, and the Hama Price is speaking. That is yeah. unbelievable. So if you are a, if you are a lover of, of anything and everything in Muna, you can go to Muna.org. Make sure to check out all the different opportunities in the New York area. And the New Jersey area, sorry, New Jersey, to participate and to support different Amuna programs. And Fran, I I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on the air because I would not have, I would not have paid attention or even realized to the number of other things that are going on. So thank you so much. And thank you, thank you as always for allowing me to be on your show. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Anything that we can do to help, it's totally our pleasure. Thank you, and I hope you feel better. (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate it. Much hatzlacha to Amuna. Thanks, dear. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to That's Live here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And, yes, I am still coughing. I am still coughing, much to the dismay of people around me on the subway and to people I live with at home. Um, Dr. Mark, by the way, told me last night I do not need a chest X-ray. That's because Dr. Mark has X-ray vision. He knows that my lungs are clear. So we're totally fine. And he basically told me to take some Robitussin, be a man, and move on with my day. So that's what I'm doing. But I am walking around with a huge bottle of water of rum. You like, see? Yeah, it is very big. Um, I have been able to try and control my coughing fits. It's come down to a talent. It's a little bit of a skill. I am getting better at it. By the way, the cans are so much better now. I appreciate it. Thank you, Avram. Um, I did, I did want to follow up. I mentioned at the top of the hour that I was the crazy commuter in our weekly, a new weekly segment, the crazy commuter update. And this morning, there's, let's just say there's been a lot going on here at the studio this morning, and Nachum and I start our day when some people, a.k.a. Penny Joel, are just going to sleep. Penny Joel, I mean, Penny, if you're listening, you know I say this with complete love because we joke about it. Penny and I live on a 24-hour cycle, but we never overlap. She is up when I am for the couple hours. I mean, she she never goes to sleep, and I wake up at ungodly hours. Anyway, so it's already been... A long day here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah, Nachum agrees as he is prepping for the live lunch. He'll be on in less than 15 minutes at just around 11 o'clock Eastern time this morning. Um, but nevertheless, it seems that I was um, exuding stress on the Long Island Railroad this morning without even knowing it. It could have been that my karma was speaking itself because I was sitting there working on my iPad, my iPhone, listening to music at the same time and like dropping things constantly. But many of you know I sit on the quiet in the quiet car on the Long Island Railroad religiously because, frankly, it's the only time I really get to hear absolutely nothing. And it seems that the quiet car cop, now I don't mean literal cop, but per, but a, a commuter who has uh, who t- seems to have taken it upon himself to be the uh, arbiter of all things quiet in that car was really on top of anyone who was making noise and shooting dirty looks all over the place. So... I happen to be sitting to this, next to this nice Israeli woman whose name is Rachel, and I am busy multitasking and doing 30 things. And he looks at me, this gentleman looks at me, and he says, you're really giving off a lot of stress. Now, my stress wasn't talking. This is the quiet car. I get that. But, I, I, I mean, come on. Come on. 
It's not a library. It's the commuter car. So he looks at me and he goes, your stress is really giving, you're, you're really giving off a lot of stress. And, and, and he broke the silence in the car in order, it admonished me. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I looked at him, I go, was, was I stressing too loud? Like that was annoying. Don't be annoying. So as much as I'm a big believer in being quiet on the quiet car, like let's not be loco about it. So when I get off the train and I text my husband, I think I'm going to cry and he wants to know why. Steven, if you are listening, this is exactly the reason why. Now, I also want people to know that I went to see Soul Doctor last night. A bunch of us went together. That is why we are going to close today um, with a Karl Bach choice. Avram, what did we pick, by the way? We picked. Uh, we picked a song entitled Simcha Liartecha, a classic tune off of his uh, Rabbi Shlomo Karbach, Sing My Heart. There we go. And they actually included it in the play last night. And um, ironically enough, we're going to close with that today. And they are closing on Monday, but I'm bummed. So we wish the best to the entire cast at Soul Doctor. It um, was a good production. And what we, what I don't want to say was the highlight of the evening, but Michael Steinhardt, who is one of the uh, Grand Poobahs, at Birthright was uh, in the audience last night. He seemed to have sponsored hundreds of tickets so that all these Birthrighters could be part of the Shlomo Karlbach experience last night at um, 50th and Broadway where the, pl- where the play is taking place. If you want to get tickets for the next couple of days, I highly recommend it. If you are a Shlomo Karlbach music fan and you did not necessarily know him personally, this is probably a good show for you. I definitely would read the reviews first, however. What do you want to say? Okay, so there was these people that lived down the street from us making Aliyah in the summertime, and they kept putting out tables of uh, of stuff that they wanted to give away for free. So, of course, we're driving by one day, and I decide, you know, i got to just check it out because you never know. And I found over there a double cassette <laughs> Of best of Shlomo Karlbach from like the 60s and 70s. Not an eight track. Sorry, I just no. wanted to say eight track. And on I the was air. so I was like, yes, free, uh, good music, whatever. So I put it, and it's been in my car ever since. And it, what it is is he focuses a lot on Shabbos, Shabbos stories, Shabbos music, discussing how the different things correspond to the different days of the week. And it is excellent. It is excellent. I listen to it all the time, and it's just like. Wow, this is a great way to look at Shabbos and to give some insights and everything. So that's my uh, my recent uh, Karlbach experience, and it's uh, it's very good. So uh, just you know, check out his all his stuff, old stuff, new stuff, everything. It's very good. There was there was um, a lot of the story last night that I was that was made clear to me beforehand that was not um, authenticated, or I should say, it was fictionalized, or maybe um, just good for Broadway material, so to speak. But there were definite moments that were um, that were just fun, that were good Broadway fun. I mean, listening to Amis Ral Chai and having the entire circle, uh, it, it, the the play is done in the round, having all the audience clap and get into it, like that's just good fun. There is a there is a moment as a Jew where you get corny like that. I I, I have to give I have to give props to that. There were certain things I could have done without, but I guess that's true with um, any any major production. Anyway, um, I think everyone who participated and joined us last night for the play. We did have a good time, and I also want to thank Dr. Mark again for giving me a medical diagnosis without taking my copay. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Mary Mel Thank you for making us part of your day. I want to go through the lineup. Folks, if you haven't checked out the new schedule online, frankly, I don't know what you're waiting for. Right after That's Life is the live lunch with Nachum Siegel, and we will have the weekly technology update brought to you by Adorama featuring Dr. Steven Rudolph, who is 
his words, not mine, a tech geek, besides the fact that he's trauma spe- he's a stroke specialist, correct? He's a stroke specialist, and in his part, in his spare time, he loves technology, and uh, you do not want to miss it. After the uh, after the live lunch is sound advice with Dr. J. Lieberman, Dr. David J. Lieberman. I'm sorry, at 1 p.m. Eastern time, the doctor is in taking your calls two one two five two nine four six two zero. Tune in here more. Last week was a phenomenal show. He takes your calls. He takes your emails. Don't miss it. Daniel Gordon hosts this week's spin class. That's at 2 p.m. He hosts it live from Yeshiva University, and he features different um, information going on at the start of the season, including the new app that YU launched that makes life for students that much easier, followed by Mark Zomick's choice for album of the week, which, here's a uh, spoiler, has all is all about Karlbach. And guess what? Spin class at 6 p.m. with guest host Nachum Siegel. Nachum is continuing to sub in for Michael Fragan until the end of the mayoral campaign. Uh, he will be checking in at the top of the hour. So from the start, he's checking in at 6.40. That was a program change. Thank you, boss. But either way, don't miss it from 6 to 7. And then, of course, at 7 o'clock is the new slot for Charlie Burnhow. You can check out the entire season and the program schedule on the website, NachumSiegel.com. Tomorrow morning, join Nachum as he hosts JM and the AM from 6 to 9 a.m. Live here on the stream and on JM and the AM dot O-R-G. Don't miss the weekly update with Malcolm. That's still on tomorrow, right? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. And Naomi Nachman, brand new show tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. My thanks to Avrami. You have no idea what Avram does behind the scenes, folks. You really, really don't. He is a master juggler. (laughs) We are having a good time, frankly, because a lot of us are just very sleep-deprived. Anyway, we're going to turn to this Carl Bach selection. It is a little bit of a longer selection than we're used to here at the end of That's Life, but I want to make sure to get all of it in. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
Ora la la 